This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 620, brought to you by Harry's. Get your free trial set. Go to harrys.com slash iFanboy right now. That's harrys.com slash iFanboy. And iFanboy listeners just like you. Hello, welcome to my fanboy pick of the week, episode six hundred and twenty. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. This is my co-host Josh Lanigan. Hey, don't write and yourself off our, yet. Sorry. We're with our paleontologist Ryan Haupt. That's a fine pun you guys wrote there. <laughs> I was I was working on I, I, like what your title should be, and I haven't got it down yet. I was like, what do I? It's 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 different than guest. It's not host. It's it's guest host? I don't know. I'm working on it. So that's Sometimes what came out. Sometimes Connor calls me the professor. Professor. Yeah. I could. I, I get that. I know why. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not a professor. I do not, not have the, a professor. Not the point. Not the point. Anyone who works in academia, not in the cafeteria, you're the professor. You're I, the professor. I work with a guy, uh, and I also call him the professor. Also smart people. Right. Or people who think they're smart. You can go on with this. Anyway. Or won't shut up about manatees. We are a fanboy, and if we can read a bunch of comics, one of us picks our favorite book, call it the pick of the week. We talk about that book. We talk about other books we read in this, a not light week. No. We talk about the patron pick. Maybe we have some listener mail, depending on how long we go on the books. It'll be fun. It's a spoiler warning for you. Here's a spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Exercise some caution this week. Josh. Yes. You had the pick. I did have the pick of the week, and... I thought in general, I, I read, I, I liked the books I read this week. I thought, this is, this is mm-hmm. a strong, strong bunch. I don't know that there was one that was sort of leading. But the very last thing that I read this week um, turned out to to be the pick of the week, which was Rock Candy Mountain number eight, um, story and art by Kyle Starks, uh, with coloring by Chris uh, Schweitzer, which I learned at the end of this issue, he didn't really even want to be credited for. He didn't want to take away from the work that Kyle Starks had done. Um, yeah. So to me, this book was like a slow burn that increased into like a thing that I really, I really ended up liking at the end um, for all sorts of reasons. And we've talked about it to a certain extent. Um, and I, I remember seeing it in my stack like originally when the first one came out and thinking, Oh, I, I think I'd like that. And I didn't read it. Uh, you guys did. Um, and yeah. so I picked it up later. Um, and, and, and then it got to the point, like, as we got to this eighth issue, like I see it and I get legitimately excited because we have been talking about the fact that like, there's not a lot of new stuff right now, um, certainly from Image, that I think we get really excited about. Um, mm-hmm. And this really turned into one of those things. Um, and I didn't know that this was going to be the last issue. And now I'm totally gun shy about saying anything is the last issue, but I'm fairly certain. No, no, this is it. We talked yeah. about it last week. We thought last last yeah. not week, last month we thought seven was, but this is the last. I'm issue. still. I'm 99 sure this is the last issue, but I'm not. I'm not willing to go on the record anymore. It says Finn at the end in the you know French what? style. Uh, I've been burned too many times, Connor. You know what else has fins, Connor? Oh, God, man. <laughs> um, uh, what's great about this book is we've, we've bemoaned the fact that Image has fallen into this horror sci-fi rut. And this is a hobo tale of the rails that has a supernatural element, but it's not obnoxious. You're You're absolutely right. It doesn't feel like that. It's not the... The Devil Jason. It feels more like a like a folk song, really, and that's I, and that's why it really works is because it's based obviously on the lyrics to the the hobo song Rock Candy Mountain. Yeah, and it, it you're right. It feels sort of like this old timey folk tale of of selling your soul to the devil type of thing, you know. Um, which isn't the same that, thing as hobos mixed with werewolves. Right. It's not. Yeah. It's not like hobo versus zombies. Which right. No. This this has might, more of like a Paul Bunyan feel. Like this yeah. is yes. Americana. This is yeah. It's it's got that. Um, sort of old-timey storytelling. The details aren't as important as the themes and the feel of everything. And the hero's journey, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I will tell you that, so I'm reading this issue, and I'm enjoying it. It's pretty much a continuation. There's a big fight. Every issue, I'm going to be like, who are all these people? And then, um, <laughs> you know, I, I remember pretty quickly, the way it is drawn, I think, is probably not going to be for everybody, but it works for me. It works for the story. Um, and if you can get over that hump, there's there's some really great stuff going. Because the fact is, like, I know all the characters are very differentiated. Like, I know who the main guy is. Jackson, 
I think that's his name. Yeah, um, hobo. Yeah, the, the main, main right. hobo guy who looks like Mike, yeah. Mike Dawson draws himself, uh, if you really want to get into cartooning. Um, and, and so, like, that, it's easy enough to pick up on in that way. But I got to the last page, um, and I thought... So there's this moment where you think that the main character is doomed to hell, basically. Yeah. Like, he fucked up. And I went, all right, I guess that could happen. And then you get to the ending, and you know, like, it got me. The last page really got me. Because the fact is, this story is a man went off to fight in the war. He didn't want to because he wanted to be with his family. He, you know, lost them, and then he fought against everything. He, he just he threw everything else in the world away just to try to get his family back and get to them. Um, and, and, you know, there's something really sweet and, and endearing about that and, and heroic. Um, and, I, you know. And, I, I and the last shot of him yep. is a genuine – the art's terrific. It's a genuinely yes. happy face. And I don't think that's a face we've seen on this character for eight issues. So no. He's been all about the was, mission. It was very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right. At the moment, so he gets he gets hit by the the ghost train, which takes him up up up, whoever up is. Mm. I, I like the shot of him sort of silently riding in the ghost train. It just yeah. felt like I I, so I like I noted that panel too. I did too. It was so mundane. It was great. It, um, and, and also, like this is one of those things where you can talk about cartooning really quick. If you look at that panel, yeah. if you happen to have this in front of you. Um, there's not a lot of lines that make up his face and it's not a lot different. And this might be reading into it, putting what you're projecting, whatever it is you're feeling, but there's a mixture of like acceptance and curiosity and a tiny little bit of fear all within a couple of lines. Oh, um, he totally looks like a little kid yeah. who's watching the, you know, the world go by on a train and doesn't, and doesn't know exactly what's going it's, on. It's uh, really strong. It's, it's one of those like, Oh, that's what good cartooning is like using that simplicity. I, I really, I, I see as lines as possible. Mm hmm. And uh, and uh, then he, you know, goes into the dark and and it's like, oh, shit. Oh, well, I guess that sucks. And then yeah. uh, comes out the other side. I, this was a great issue. This yeah, really absolutely. Issue. And then and then uh, to cap it off, I really think like it, I got to that last page. I, was like, oh, I really liked that a lot. And as I'm sitting there thinking about it, I start reading the, the little uh, afterward, basically. Um, where where Kyle Starks um, puts out that you know he he basically lost his job for his career, um, and his wife and him agreed that it was worth it. it basically, this is his words: worth it, worth the chance to try to make a career in comics. And I just thought that oh, was stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, two years later, he's he's you know finishing up this series, uh, and it's a you know it's an American underdog story at the exact same time. Now, I am not. Uh, naive enough to think that oh he's done this image series everything's okay now, but it's right. it's a it's it's a monumental step. To be proud of he's, he he certainly I mean it's, it's, it, this was a I I took a flyer on it I think because Ron told me or it was a patron pick it was almost a patron pick something mm-hmm. I don't remember why but I I didn't I wasn't going to read it originally but I ended up reading it and Chris, I'm really Chris glad Schweitzer's name absolutely made me look at it and then I was like oh he doesn't really have much to do with it other than the colors which I, I know colors matter but you know from a creative standpoint you're not going to get what you go to Chris Schweitzer for but uh, so I'm glad he put that name on there basically also um I really liked the little the little team up we have at the end of all the other characters yes yeah no all yeah the- that's secondary but also great you know the 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 writer guy who who we meet in the beginning, the mute guy, and the the big tattooed black guy are all the sort of hundred like, cat, hundred cat. So this little team, I think. I like dude. that. One. Yeah, it was. This is fun. If they wanted to do more and follow that little team of guys, I, mean, I don't know what you'd do with it, but I would totally read it. Oh, I think it'd be great. I'm sure they could do yeah. that. Um, uh, yep. I, Ryan, I just, what, you you read this the whole way through, right? Up on it once you guys talked about it, and I, you know, I'm silently nodding my head with everything you guys are saying. It was just a really fantastic and fun series, and you know, I finished it with a feeling of like, man, I can't wait to see what Kyle Starks does next. I I hope comics can find a place for him. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a very specific style. Well, and, and what I thought was this type of story. I don't yeah. know, you know. Well, I thought I was that work other types of stories, but. He's doing this – if he wants to do this as a career, then that means he's going to do certain kinds of comics. Um, but you never know. Some people who are good are just good and they surprise you, you know, at their adaptability. You think of somebody like Jeff Lemire, I think. Right. True. Um, yeah, I, I, like it. I like this a lot. I didn't know what the pick would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long-time listeners know, we, you know, we, we send an email out to the other hosts when we have to make the pick. And I, I saw it. I was like, yes, that makes sense. 
Yeah. And that's kind of how I thought of it. When it popped in my head, I was like, oh, look, this this is the pick of the week, which was exciting to me because I didn't really want to talk about Batman again. But we could now <laughs> we could, let's talk about Batman again. <laughs> you put it on the script. I know that because it's really, really good. <laughs> I got to this is the part four of the Super Friends story. Uh, basically, uh, Batman and, and Wonder Woman are sent to this world where they are fighting against an endless horde for for uh, what is literally for them 40 years uh, and but, that I'm glad they cleared up because I wasn't exactly sure um, from the last issue, and I had a little debate about it afterwards whether or not Batman and Wonder Woman knew what they were getting into. And so this issue makes clear that they did not know that mm-hmm. the uh, there was a relativity a time relativity problem. They they didn't know that they'd be there for decades. So that's well. And I think somebody pointed this out in the comments um, when I was last on the show when we talked about 39. But this is almost the exact same as a Superman story where Superman and Wonder Woman got trapped in a fantasy realm for a thousand years because they're both immortal. And um, yeah, it was interesting to see the differences in the way these two stories played out. Hmm. How old is that story? Early 2000s, I want to say. Huh. No shit. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. They they were in like a Norse realm and Thor was there. And yeah. Huh. I do not remember that. It's interesting because I kept thinking, well, is Bruce going to age in there? But apparently the relativity didn't work in that way. Yeah. I think he said they weren't affected by the time. They were probably just really close to a black hole. Sure. Can we talk about how great Joelle Jones is? Yes, please. She's quite great. I mean, we, we said this before early on when she was doing this arc, but. Make Batman Monthly, have Joel Jones draw it. It will be spectacular. Um, he, he's getting these great art, but I just, I just find her face is so captivating. She just, yeah. she, she's, I mean, she's great action, great everything that you need to be a superhero artist, but man, she gets some great acting out of these characters, and they have such unique-looking faces. Well, Tom King them- tweeted before I actually read the issue about the panel where um, the, the nice man or the good man, whatever his name is, meets, or meets back Gentle up with man. his... Uh, the gentleman meets back up with his wife and, you know, he showed the panel where he and his wife hug and he was saying like how he was kind of saying there was a lot of stuff that wasn't in his script that Joel brought to that panel, that sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was really good. Yeah. Or you can just call him look alike. None of them look alike. You can just call him Heimdall. That would also work. <laughs> apparently. Um, so the big the big cliffhanger last time was uh, Superman, not Superman. See, Brian, you went and put it in my head. Batman and Wonder Woman trapped in this realm. They've been fighting side by side forever, and uh, Fireside almost kiss, and um, doesn't happen. I feel like it's I called close. that. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, they, they, either they were going to break up the marriage right here, or it was not going to happen. So uh, it didn't happen. But uh, it almost happened, which you can't blame him. I saw that that kiss didn't actually happen, and I was like, I knew it, but I fell for it. And I, oh, it's the oldest <laughs> stupid comic book trick in the book. And that's and and that's why it's great. I know. Um, um, it's and it's Wonder Woman. If it, if it's any other character, you know. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I think is that for a long time we had discussed the idea that like no one really nailed down what Wonder Woman's character was and everybody would write her kind of differently or whatever. Um, and for me, like I, I glommed on to, I was like, I like the Wonder Woman that Darwin Cook put in A New Frontier. And now I feel like movie Wonder Woman has given us a, a, like basically a standard that people now have to... The definitive Wonder Woman. Yeah, and I actually, I like that. It works because it was, it, was it was not that before. I guess before that, only like the Justice League cartoons. Yeah, she's only that here, though, as we talked about last time. She's, yeah. she's not written like this anywhere else. Well, that's uh, a problem. I felt that the last panel of this issue really resonated with me. You know, that conversation between couples mm-hmm. when um, she she asks if he was bad. And he said, well, I wasn't bad, but I wasn't good enough. And that kind of um, spirit of continued growth in it's a relationship worked really well for me. I tell you what, that one panel does a lot of work. <laughs> that is one, two, three, six word balloons that basically, like, you see Batman A is honest. He's always going to say what it is. She is understanding about how reality actually works, and he can accept that. And then they, they you know, a lot happens there. That, that's, that, that, for some couples, that's two weeks of discussion. Oh, yeah. Heavy lifting panel of the week. Yeah. No, no kidding. Um, this is why they're superheroes. <laughs> also, conversations I mean, very quickly. It's those two particularly. Like they're they're. I don't say their morality is so 
but it's they, they're they're just like matter of fact. And, and they I both are that. live in a, they both live in a gray area. I mean, you know, she's a criminal marrying a superhero, and he's a superhero marrying a criminal. So, right. My only complaint, go on, is I like when they call each other Bat and Cat. I don't think anyone else should ever do that. And at one point, Quiet Man says, "Doesn't matter who they are, the Wonder and the Bat. They are the Wonder and the Bat." And oh, I, I think I that's that was, different. I don't think it was a, a like a familiar nicknamey kind of thing. It just, it just, I don't think anyone else should call them by those weird. But no, but pet names. But in Gotham's like like, the, I remember being watching like the '89 Batman movie, and they would call him the Bat. So I think he's talking about it in like a totemistic sense. Yeah, it's different it's, when there's a the in front of it. Yeah, no, the, it's the bat, bat versus just bat. Right? Didn't he say just the, rub me the wrong way? Well, something always has to. I know. Um, that's it. Otherwise, this is a great issue. It was a really great issue. I'm 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 still very impressed by it. I'm impressed by the fact that DC is allowing their number one book to be basically a romance comic. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's action in here. They're there was a lot board. of yeah. But like, ultimately, this whole last six issues has been about about an engagement party. Also, I, we haven't really talked about it, but there's a really nice um, structural thing going on here, um, where we keep flashing back. Uh, but but time is moving backwards, so we're going to wherever that realm is that they are. Like they start off on year twenty four, and they're like they're tired. Like this is not even just relationship stuff. This is like we've been fighting for twenty four years. Uh, right. And then the next time we go back there, it's year nineteen, and you're, you're watching it go back. It's like I went back and forth a couple of times, not because I was confused. I just wanted to make sure I I got what was happening because I thought it was really well done. And then like the next time we pop in, it's year fourteen. So we're the, then, then we come back where you're 31. Like, there's a whole lot of extensive time jumping, which is very clear, but it gives you a lot to chew on. Like, again, really economic, sort of everywhere. You think, you think Bruce shaved with that sword? I thought so, yeah. Because uh, that'd be funny if he had a big bushy beard. Turns out, not a not a very her sweet guy. <laughs> not like they drew him in uh, Son of the Demon. Daredevil 598. I was the first. I didn't roll my eyes, but when I saw that the the Muse character was back, I was like, okay, like he's been in this a lot. But then I really like the issue, so I take my I take my eye roll back. Yeah, we roll them. I think that's kind of where I'm getting with this is that this was the first like I've enjoyed the stuff uh, pretty mm-hmm. good, but in this one I thought, you know what? I think Charles Soule is the right man for Daredevil at this moment in time. Yeah, for sure. And and like he's he lives in New York City. He he wrote uh, I can't remember the name of that book. It was one of our last books of the month. Um, that whole book about cities and and math and uh, I forget what, what what the title of it was. I'll come back to it. You know, but like he understands the city and he thinks about it in a certain way, which I think is really important when we're talking about this kind of story. When we're talking about Daredevil just in general, but you know the politics of it and how Wilson Fisk fits in, and even how a character like Muse fits into it. Frankly, and I, it's a lot of interesting pieces well, moving around. Muse becoming sort of a Banksy-esque uh, political artist who is thumbing his nose at Wilson Fisk by by these giant superhero murals was interesting mm-hmm. because it's interesting, but he's also a serial killer. So there's a weird mm-hmm. push and pull there because what he's doing is good on one hand, and he's also doing really bad on the other hand. Um, and he's he's a formidable opponent for Daredevil. I didn't like that the black suit was back. I got why they did it, but. At first, I was like, "Wait a minute! I thought he was back in the red." And then they dealt with it right away. Um, I, it's it's been good. I think it, he rides the line of being too much about the law, um, mm-hmm. quite well. Every time I think it's getting too much about the law, then he he pulls back. Yep. But also, this is as close, Josh, as you're ever going to get to your New York City Mayor comic. That might be why I like it. <laughs> it is pretty great for that. <laughs> Wasn't that what Ex Machina was? Yeah, but in the Marvel universe. Oh, yeah. in the Marvel universe. Okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of pitching that book. There's a lot of bureaucracy that would need to be dealt with, and it would be pretty fascinating. Although, like when they went to when they got to the point where they were going basically to recruit um, supervillains for uh, like uh, mayoral, yeah. you know, for city positions, I thought, okay, we're, this is we're not going to do it the serious way. We're going to do it because I didn't know which way it was going to go. I the thought, serious way. I live in D.C. This is this is how it works, man. This is I, real I to life. I'm even even in New York. I don't know if 
Diamondback would would pass as police commissioner. I don't think that that would ha- that would happen. If what one year party controls about? both houses. The cops can get would anything revolt. through. The cops would revolt. I can see Hammerhead being put in charge of the prisons. Sure. Sure. And and Black Cat, even though in the defendant she renounced she renounced villainy, because uh, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. Uh, <laughs> Department of Education. These things would all definitely happen. I've definitely lived in New York long enough. All these patronage jobs would definitely happen. However, the police commissioner one might have been a little too far because the cops mm-hmm. wouldn't go for that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I, finally, just one more thing. I think Ron Garney is leave, leaving this book, but how great is Ron Garney in this? And how much of a yeah. sort of leap from the Ron Garney that we originally knew to what he's doing here is great? Yeah, I think he's making it to 600. I think. Yeah. yeah, I think he's but, leaving. Uh, Soul's not yeah. leaving. But. It's a great we, – we talked about it. It's a great – it's definitely recognizably Garney, but it's mm-hmm. also not. He's yeah. got a, a different style. It's it it works as a grittier mm-hmm. Garney. I just, yeah, it's I, a little I, looser. It's a little freer. I, I the like book is better when he draws it. Yeah, I I love that range though. I love that you can see a like a veteran just be like you know look what else I have. I think that's really fun. Did anyone else read Versus number one? I didn't. Yes. Versus number one from Image Comics. Written by now, Arnold what were you Fett. saying about Image being a bunch of horror sci-fi uh, books? <laughs> uh, written by Ivan Brandon. This, the reason why I read it was because it was art by Isad Ribic. It's his first cr- creator-owned work. So I thought, I'll look at that. And uh, the reason why I wasn't going to read it originally because I just haven't in the past ever responded to Ivan Brandon's work. That is a very and nice way to say it. The, that's actually true, though. That's exactly that's why I... Would have been like, no, but I didn't notice that it was uh, Isad Rubik until I was setting up for the show. And I thought, well, that's interesting. The streak continues. <laughs> um, I didn't really <laughs> like the story. It's beautiful to look at. Uh, it's, I mean, so Ryan, to correct me if I'm wrong, it's basically some sort of gladiatorial reality show in the future. Yes, I think. But I was also not 100% clear. There's some sort of um, overlaid points system. I feel like uh, getting to the end and then uh, thinking about the design of the book a little bit more, I'm wondering if like we're supposed to be seeing this as if it were occurring on a screen. Like Maybe that's why the, the speech uh, balloons are all square cut. I think um, that's true. Because there's commercial messages that pop up. And- yeah. So I think the whole thing, even the parts that aren't in the gladiatorial arena, are probably part of some sort of alien television show where people fight and recover and fight and and get upvoted and downvoted. And I don't know. I don't play these kind of video games. I can't keep up. It, just, it looked great. I just I really I mean, Issa Rubik is one of the best artists in comics. And, uh, you know, I'd like, I'd like to support their, their creator own endeavors if possible. But I just didn't. I got to the end of this and I was like, I don't know what that was. And uh, I don't think I'm going to read anymore, even though I liked how it looked. If issue two comes out on a light week, I might check it out again to see if issue two provides a little bit more clarity. It's a great looking book. I mean, if you're an East Rubik fan, you might want to leaf through it. Yeah, but, and uh, also it's the same colorist from Thor. It's uh, Avish for, uh, I can't say it, Eve Sforcina. Yeah, I don't know um, if that's the E. Ive, Eve, Ive, I don't know. It, it's a great looking book. It just, I didn't really respond. It didn't give you enough information to really care about anybody on the page. You know, they were all just fighting the whole time. And, yeah, the character uh, who seems like he's supposed to be sympathetic is also just kind of a jerk to everyone. So it's like, well, I feel like you're being written as the person I'm supposed to feel sorry for, but you won't stop being an asshole. So maybe I don't care about you. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you anything more than that. It, if the concept sounds interesting to you, it's, it's probably worth looking at. Um, it's not a new concept, which is not a knock on it, but it's, uh, it's, it, you know, it's certainly, I think they're trying to say something about our current culture, but I don't know what they're trying to say. Or it's something that you let you know. You're like, yeah. It's, it's bad. Media is awful. I get it. <laughs> but uh, you said Rubik is terrific. He really is. It is gorgeous. There's no, you can't knock any points off for that. Um, so Ryan, in your role as the resident X-Men reader, uh, one of the things I did over the break was I dropped both X-Men gold and blue. Okay. I thought they, were, they, were, they had firmly entrenched themselves into the mediocre territory. Um, but I read X-Men Red because 
I want to read an X-Men book. I like Tom Taylor. Sometimes does interesting work. Mahmoud Asrar. Great. He's really good artist. Yeah, he's, so. he's very good. Uh, I read it, and I liked X-Men Red. I liked it, but too. It. When did Jean's hair grow out? Here's the thing. This appears to be, and they don't really give you an explanation, the quote-unquote real Jean Grey, not the kid. From That's the what I was wondering, and I couldn't tell, and I thought, was I just stupid or missed something that, like... I think Jean... you and I both did not read The Resurrection of Jean Grey story, which uh... is in the title, The Resurrection of Jean Grey. Uh, it was a miniseries that, that had just come out... Uh, previously to this so apparently the eat that i didn't read it did we need it as a community of comics readers oh i don't know i mean if you really want to get into the need question do we really need any of this (laughs) but i needed um, rock candy mountain i think that's true i think i really uh, yeah no ryan i had the same thought as you about a quarter in the way i was like this doesn't feel like at all like gene gray and i was like oh it's this is gene gray like this is the real gene gray when I read Cerebro, I almost threw my iPad across the room. Cerebro spelled like S-E-A. Yeah. Um, well, they're, they're, they're hanging out with Namor. He's on the team. But anyway, if you read the little you know, title page, it says, like a phoenix rising from the ashes, Jean Grey's returned to life. So there you go. Oh, I usually don't read those on a number one because I feel like I should know what's happening in a number one issue without that, without reading. So that was the least of my question. I mean, again, I enjoyed the book. But this team is Jean Grey, Nightcrawler, Namor, uh, Wolverine X-23, and then someone named Honey Badger. I don't Which know who the fuck that is. I, I didn't either, but based on context, I'm guessing it's Wolverine's sidekick. I guess. Well, because a Honey Badger is also a, a small, feisty mustelid. It's a, it, <laughs> smacks, it, it smacks a little bit of, uh, hey, the kids on the internet like this five years ago, right? <laughs> um, I don't... I. I did like I like this a lot, Ryan. I don't know if I quite quite followed exactly what Gene's plan was that got foiled. Yeah, something to do with the UN, Namor, Atlantis sponsors a mutant nation. They always want a nation. These mutants because the whole thing was she said it never works when we have a mutant nation, and then I, and then she goes to the UN and it seemed like she was trying to start one. And I was like, I wait agree. a minute, she just said it never works. Um, but regardless of that, I like it's a good team for for weird inter team tension. So Namor is always great for that. The, I I'm flipping through it. That that page with Namor sitting on the throne. I was like, hell yeah! Well, that's what I was going to get to. Anytime you introduce Namor and he's sitting on the throne in his briefs with his legs spread wide open, <laughs> just like this is why you want Namor in your comic oh, because man. he does stuff like that and it's always uncomfortable for everyone. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to keep reading this because, first of all, the art's terrific. Uh, but I like the team. Cassandra Nova from Morrison's Run is the villain, at least right now. And uh, I'm glad to have an I mean, for now, I'm glad to have an excellent book because Blue and Gold really just didn't do it for me. I'm still reading Blue and still enjoying Blue. Gold I'm a little behind on. I'll, I'll glance at it every once in a while and think, oh, I should get caught up. But um, Blue I still enjoy quite a bit. And... I'll keep reading this because this book, uh, the way Tom Taylor writes Nightcrawler, I really enjoyed. And Nightcrawler is one of my favorite X-Men characters. And so I will stick on this book uh, for Osara's art and more Nightcrawler. Uh, also, uh, the coloring. Uh, also, Eve Sforcina, um from the last book. That's great. This is a great looking book. Yeah, it is really And it's a different book. coloring style than, than Issa Ribbit gets. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. It uh, it was fun. It was super fun. Um, I want to brief everyone. I know everyone has been worried. I know that there's been there's been candlelight vigils and late night uh, discussions worried around the campfire. I got a travel cover for my Harry set. <sighs> the long national nightmare is over. Uh, uh, we I recently saw our old co-host Ron, and he with great fanfare handed me one. Because he apparently somehow had an extra one. So now I have... Because he hoards things. Have a travel cover <laughs> for, my, for my set. So when I go away, I don't have to worry about cutting my fingers when I reach into the bag. Anyway, we're talking about Harry's Blades. Um, Harry's has got the best quality you can ask for. We just had someone on the website tell us uh, in the comments section how they, they, they went with Harry's based on a recommendation and found the product to be quite, quite good and high quality. So I appreciate it that and uh, everyone should check it out it's a great shave at a fair price which is why over three million guys have switched to harry's jeff and andy just two ordinary guys by the way i got an email from harry's with a photo of jeff and andy the first time i've ever seen them are they ordinary and, uh, 
It's two ordinary guys. Okay. Fed up with, fed up with getting charged arm and leg for shaving, for razor blades. They started Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's stripped out all the unnecessary features, the stupid vibrating handle, which I don't even know why you'd want something vibrating with a blade that's touching your face. Uh, heating blades, 15 lubricating strips. Who needs 15? And quite frankly, 10 is enough. And the unnecessary cost to deliver customers one perfect razor at an amazing price. A good shave comes down to good blades because Harry's owns the factory. They're able to amazing, deliver amazing quality blades for just $2 a blade compared to the $4 or more you'll pay at the drugstore. And all the products are backed by 100% quality guarantee. So here's a special offer. Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They'll give you the trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com. You just pay for shipping. I mean, that's a, it's a great deal. It's a great set. You get everything you need, including the travel shave, uh, blade cover. It's just very important. Don't lose it. Order yourself a couple uh, of blades at that point. You're set. Depending on how her sweet you are, could be for a while. Claim your free the second time you've used her sweet this this show. Yep. I figure if I'm gonna get it out there, I may as well get use out of it. because if you looked it up between now and then, you've got it. Now you're like, oh, I recognize it. So people feel good about that. Claim your free trial off from Harris today. It's a thirteen dollar value for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. The trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and they put it last because it's the best, the travel blade cover. Booyah. So go to harrys.com slash iFanboy right now. It's harrys.com slash iFanboy. Ryan, are you clean shaven these days? Nope. Well, if you ever consider going clean shaven. Harry's I uh, started maintaining stubble so I wouldn't get carded when purchasing alcohol. And I think that ship has sailed, but I maintain the stubble. <laughs> is, it, is it the deep gray hair? Yeah, it's that's... it's the extensive gray hair, which has also uh, started working its way into the face. So. Mine started in the face and is now... It usually starts in the face, but sometimes it doesn't. No, I started going gray in high school on the head. So. All right. Well, if you ever wow. consider going clean-shaven again, I'm sure... <laughs> it's a really stressful school. I'm sure Julie will appreciate it. Harrys.com slash iFanboy. Um, Justice League 38, Christopher Priest, Marco Santucci. I've been enjoying this story. It is the... Um, a uh, story of a maintenance worker who helped set up the Justice League Watchtower satellite who has become an obsessed single-white female-esque fan of the Justice League and is terrorizing them. But uh, in this issue, uh, for reasons I can't remember why they did it, the Justice League decides to fire Batman as the chairman. And then, so he's packing up his stuff in the locker room and I guess put his costume away in the locker room. I don't know what that, what that was all about. But And then putting on a very un-Bruce Wayne-esque sort of bomber jacket. And white T-shirt and jeans looked like Clark Kent, quite frankly. Um, Jessica Cruz, the Green Lantern, who was his partner on this particular mission, goes to console him, and they start making out. So, several problems here. Number one, over in Green Lanterns this week, Jessica Cruz is all about having a crush on Nightwing, plus realizing she's got feelings for Simon. Who doesn't have a crush on Nightwing? I do. Number two, Batman is engaged to Catwoman. Number three, Batman was almost making out with Wonder Woman. So this this particular scene, granted, under the title page of complications, uh, caused yeah, a lot well, of there's... well, a lot of unnecessary worry in my head when I was reading this issue. I'm sure if I went to my wife and said, "Listen, I've had a complication," uh, <laughs> she would definitely understand that language and think what had happened was fine. It was weird reading this at, uh, in conjunction with Batman, in which you know this almost kiss was such a big deal for Batman, and then here it just goes right at it with. with <laughs> Um, kind of undercut Batman a little bit, if I'm being honest. Uh, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. I, I mean, e- editors certainly don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I know that much. Um, uh, Ryan's here, so last time he, he was here that we talked about uh, Runaways, and uh, this uh, ends marks the end of that first arc, uh, where they sort of get the band back together. And uh, I liked Chris Anka before, but at the end of this, I was like, man, that's some, that's some good Chris Anka. That's oh, yeah. That's what I was thinking. This was this. I, I feel like he actually has upped his game even from issue one of yeah. this same series. Yeah, just really, I, I love the differentiation between the characters. I love the acting. Um, I love the clothes. Yep. Yeah. It, yeah, there's yeah, obviously there's there's none of that. Hey, this person's never seen a kid before. Um, <laughs> I can tell that these this is probably how the kids today are dressing because I don't understand these clothes. But <laughs> that just makes it feel real to me. Yep, an old white man. <laughs> how old are you? I'll don't show talk you. about it. I'll show you old. 
Just because you um, look I, older than me. Just because you look like Reed Richards doesn't mean you're old. Dastardly and Motley, number six. I I think like two issues ago, I was like, yeah, this I get it. Okay. I, this could have been a four-issue miniseries for me. Okay. I really liked this. That's fine. I like, get I just I just was like, yeah, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of tap dancing in the middle of this miniseries. Like at the okay. end I by the time that the last couple had come out, I was really looking forward to it because I just I wanted to see where it was going to go because I liked the slow build up to understanding and acceptance and I was really starting to enjoy the silly stuff and like having mm-hmm. that uh you know contrast with the people who were still not uh, silly yet. Um, every time, like the lady pilot turned into the oh man, I, that made me laugh. <laughs> I really, I really like that. Like the president is the is a fox and he's very silly, and we just are going with it. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, suddenly it doesn't really seem all that. I'm like, well, all right, fine. You know, that, that's. I I just I, I I went with the conceit and I was like, all right, let's just live in here for a little bit, and that made me like it a lot more. Uh, and then of course he turns around at the end and he hits you with sort of a. Sort of a hardcore ending, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that was perhaps unnecessary, but um, it, it did suck it right back down to earth, I thought. It was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, there's Garth Ennis. Well, I thought, you know, for most of, as for most of these Hanna-Barbera books, as we've said before, like, you know, most of them aren't successful. This is on the whole successful. Just, I just felt I like it so. could have been really successful for it. It could have been really strong for instead of a lose six, but I get why it has to be six. Yeah, but uh, overall, also, I really like the art. I thought the art was really strong in this. Worked really well for what they were trying to do. All right. Um, the Walking Dead is on here, so it's up. It's up to you, Ryan. I I, I fell off. Okay, that was what I, that was what I was not sure of. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't know if I would have anyone else to talk about this with. I'm still on issues with this, and um, they're they're exploring the world outside Alexandria. A small team has been sent based on some radio contact that Eugene had. And um, I, I mean, is Walking Dead a book we still can't spoil, or is the spoiler warning cover that now? I, no one talks about it anymore, so yeah, feel free. Go for it. Uh, Michonne's daughter is alive. And that's been the big reveal. And uh, Michonne has to have a conversation with like a very fascistic leader of this new community that has almost 50,000 people living in it, which is a huge settlement in Walking Dead terms. And um, the leader's kind of giving Michonne the runaround. And Michonne finally just goes, you know what? Screw this. I saw a picture of me on a bulletin board. My daughter's out there looking for me. You need to help me find her. And the leader, uh, in what I think was the twist of the book, instead of, you know, holding firm to the whatever power play she was playing, just went... Oh, seriously? Are you, are you for real? Well, yeah, like, we got to go find her. Like, that's ridiculous that you would even wait to tell me that. And so then they go find Michonne's daughter. And Michonne's daughter is alive. When was she last referenced? Uh, we've never seen Michonne's daughter before. Michonne at one point admitted that she had abandoned her daughter in the early days of the apocalypse and uh, felt very bad about it. Should have known that was coming then. Well, I mean, to be fair, Robert Kirkman's killed a lot of kids, so probably the Otis <laughs> one that he had to bring back. And I mean, this is also where a hundred issues passed when he joked the series would end. So, you know, he's he's got to got to find something to tell a story about. And other than that one issue, the aliens have not shown up, right? Nope, that's been the only time we've seen the aliens. Okay, good, good. Thank so, you. reading Spider Man two thirty seven, I know I didn't put it on the list, but I'll, I'll I'll hand it off in a second. But I can't help but wonder what the future of this book is. <clears throat> and I know it's not really germane to the story itself but you know Bendis is leaving we've talked about many times he's the only one's ever written the quote-unquote ultimate spider-man book except for you know maybe special circumstances but uh, i really wonder if they're going to continue on with this after Bendis goes i i mean i think they shouldn't until like like i i wouldn't really mind if they relaunched it later with somebody else and then you give that person their due but i don't think you bring it'd be weird to bring another writer onto it it's been 17 years. Yeah. I recognize that. And also, as much as I love Miles Morales and, I, lo- and I, I have loved this book, I don't feel like this book is doing anything. It definitely feels a little wheel spinny. I, I keep missing it. For whatever reason, the, they changed the style. I used to always... They took, well, they took Ultimate out. I mean... Just, yeah, I think I just keep thinking it's the Dan Slott one or something that I'm not reading. Well, what's, well, weird, what's weird is that they, they changed the name to just Spider-Man, but then they went back to the Ultimate numbering. 
Oh, weird. So that's why it's doubly confusing. So it's yeah, not. that is. You know what's funny is I was actually looking for this when I was doing the script, and I was like, 237? What is... Like, I couldn't figure out where it fit. Yeah, they went back to the ultimate numbering. So that's it's weird. It's it's doubly confusing. And I, I've almost missed it before. Well, and I keep thinking that this is this book is called Amazing Spider-Man, but I'm not reading that, so I keep getting that and then seeing the cover and being like, oh, I don't want to read that. And then so I have to go find this again. So it's, yeah, they're not they're not doing the book it's due. service by yeah it's due by uh making it this confusing to keep track of where you can actually follow the story of miles I, I i just in general i am all in favor of going back to all original numbering i'm fine with that but we don't get to jump back and forth i need to be able to keep my bearings yeah marvel doing it lately has really been screwing me up so i keep having to check right you know is this part one of a story or how much did i miss or it's just it's making the um the hobby because that's what it supposed yeah. to be of reading comics uh, a chore in a way that is not pleasant for me mm-hmm. 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 let us continue right. so those are the books we're going to talk about if you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy that is where you the patron can vote on a book to add to the rundown and this week the patrons were jerks and they added an 80 page book thanks guys on a heavy week i read the comments at least a couple people did it on purpose which I respect. I kind of do, except it was me. And a man only has so many hours. <laughs> I respect it. Um, but again... I don't like it. Uh, I, I was like, oh. Because it was also this week's uh, Swamp Thing Winter Special, which I which, wanted to read because it was Tom King. Which I did not read it, because I didn't have time. It was also 80 pages. And so I was like, you guys are jerks, but I, but I love you. Young, Young Monsters in Love, number one, is the book in question, which featured one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten stories of love featuring monsters uh, with some pretty big names on it. Uh, James sure. Robinson, Tim Seeley, Kyle Higgins, Paul Dini, Mark Russell, um, uh, Fraser Irving, Guillaume March, Brian Hitch, Giuseppe Kevin Coley, Kelly Jones. I saw, uh, on a creator level, this was, this was all right. This is better than um, Keith Giffen doing all of it. <laughs> that's your go-to that's your go-to that's gonna that's it's gonna take a while to get over that one um i as many as many anthologies go i enjoyed some of these stories i did not enjoy others some of them i just uh, skimmed once i realized i didn't care um but the ones i did enjoy i quite enjoyed so i overall i as much as i was annoyed to having to read this um i did in, ultimately enjoy reading it so let's let's uh very quickly sort of bomb through them i i'd be honest I don't. I didn't. This was one of those like I didn't hate really any of them. It's, it was either ambivalent or I was like that was okay. Um, I I don't ever need to see Frankenstein Agent of Shade again ever. For I skimmed reason. that one. I was like I don't care about any of this. Yeah. Um. I, I you know the Solomon Grundy story was okay. The the Paul Dini Dead Man was actually really quite good. Yes. Um. The Raven story. Raven, who I literally only know in the context of of the Teen Titans Go cartoon. Um. Mm-hmm. It was really well drawn. I liked that. Javier um, Fernandez, Nightwing. Yeah, and I really dig. I dig the art in that Dead Man story a lot too, because they got super uh, Neil Adamsy on it uh, when yes. Dead Man was actually around. Um, Yo, March. Mark Russell completely uh, off off uh, brand in this Swamp <laughs> Thing story, which we knew was going to have to happen at some point, and he need he needed it to happen. But um, Swamp Thing was probably my favorite of the bunch, which would not surprise people since it was you know. Yeah, kind of sciencey. Yeah, yeah. But also that, looked gorgeous with the Fraser Irving. I, I love yep. Fraser Irving. I, I vampire, whatever. Um, wanted care. wanted to be more excited about the Etrigan story. Uh, oh, you skipped Monsieur Mala and the Brain. Also didn't care. Yeah, I, I mean, I read it, but I wish I had skipped it. I wanted to care. I really love that conceit of Monsieur Mala and the Brain, and mm-hmm. I was reading it, and then I hit that two page spread that was just a wall of text, and that that, yep. that defeated me. I didn't understand big. what the point was. Like I didn't. I was like, "Is the is the monkey in love with the brain?" They're both in love with each other. It's a consensual relationship, and I guess apparently the brain doesn't have optic inputs, and so they were breaking into LexCorp to yeah. steal some little gadget that would allow the brain to receive visual inputs again and see the face of his beloved Monsieur I, I feel like in this instance, I I know what they're trying to do, but that's this may be not the right context for representation. 
you know what fair. I mean? Like it, yeah, I was just yeah. like, it felt really like, come on, let's, you know, I, it, well, I think that was, a. am not uh, mad. Like somebody is about Iceman, but like, I was, that's stupid. It doesn't. Anyway. Uh, well, I have feelings too. Uh, Gosh, I know. Uh, <clears throat> I think the, the relationship between them was originally a Judd Winnick thing. Really? Well, maybe there's so. context for it. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it probably, probably had are more you saying you're not well versed in the lore of Monsieur Mala and the brain? Definitely not. Again, I know them from Teen Titans Go. Okay. Uh, but if I had to, if I was given a pick a week to anything, it would have been this uh, Creature Commando story by James really? Robinson and John McRae. I loved this. I loved the way it looked. I thought it was it's really stupid. It was a joke in here that I laughed really hard at. Um, and I know that I didn't like Frankenstein and the other thing. And when I saw Frankenstein again, I was like, oh, come on. But uh, I really dug it. I like John McRae a hell of a lot. You, you skipped the first one, the Kyle Higgins, Kelly Jones, Man Bad story. Oh, Ke- Ke- Kelly Jones is great. Actually, that was pretty good. It wasn't great because it wasn't like breaking the mold of anything, but it was pretty good. It wasn't a bad one to start off with. I think overall the average of this book was was in the solid category. It's a C plus. I think. I, I think I'd go B, but that's, I mean, I'm not going A on it or anything. Mm-hmm. There was, a, there was a couple of A stories, and there was Wait, a lot this, of... Were these ratings? Hang on. Ratings were not announced yet. I mean, is, we're not rating, the, we're grading. We're grading. It's different. Grading. Oh, Gratings <laughs> Gratings is different than ratings. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, Ryan, your overall <laughs> thoughts on this? I would start a story and like get kind of into it and be like, okay, that was fine. And then I would turn the digital page and be like, oh, another one. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, I, had, I kept tapping and be like, page 35. Okay, 58, getting there. And this is like me on the floor at like 12.30 at night going, oh, could this ever end? <laughs> Listen, the patrons did their, what they set out to do, which was annoy us. So I feel like half <laughs> well, this the is reason the, I think this is the first time I've been on as kind of a, the third man on a heavy week. And so this is the first time the patron pick really felt like a, a slap on the wrist, a slap in the face. <laughs> it is, normally the patron pick is like, okay, I might not have read that on my own but it's fine but this week i was just like oh my god you guys i was actually gonna save it like and read it like over the weekend right you know, at a leisurely pace but uh i I, I i figured i just found the place that reminded me why i really like the creature commando story uh-huh. <laughs> and at the end there's this weird mo- it's because it's weird there's this weird moment where they're like like i love all you guys you really make me feel like i'm not alone <laughs> and then the frankenstein character just goes ah which made me think of Phil Hartman. <laughs> I started laughing hysterically like I'm doing right now. <laughs> and so that's the happy feeling. <laughs> I think he's saying he does too. See, he's nodding. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ratings. Ratings on Young Monsters in Love. Number one, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Oh, wow. I'm going to go with 2.5, except for that one panel, which is a five and a half. <laughs> I'm going to take the average of your two numbers and give it a three. All right. right. And the sticking with it is irrelevant. It is special. So thank you, patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can join up. Anyone can vote who's a patron, no matter what level you're at. But if you're a $5 or higher patron, you get your own superpower on the show. Um, and so we start off thanking our patrons that way with Eldridge Davis. That's a fake name. Eldridge Davis. His flights never experience turbulence. Whenever he's on a plane, it's always smooth. Hmm. So he's like Storm, but in a very specific context. He has some sort of bubble around him that he generates around the planes that he's in, and just, they never hit heavy air. There's never, Does he have to warn the pilot before getting on the plane? The thing is, he doesn't even, I don't think, even know. He's just never, people complain about turbulence, he's in movies, he's like, I don't understand what that, I've never had that happen to me. He doesn't even know it's happening. Yeah. Always smooth sailing. You want you want to see Eldridge Davis in the queue for the plane when you're getting on a flight. I just I want to see his name everywhere. <laughs> it's a great name. It is a great name. Sounds like he sounds like either an old baseball player, or uh, he could be like one of the great jazz pianists from the 1930s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get the jazz pianist vibe, and he could actually play jazz piano on a plane because the plane would be flying smoothly. Nice. True. I wonder what that does to the tuning of the instrument. Oh, the pressure changes? Yeah. It's probably very dry. It's probably... Well, that's going to resonate right up until it cracks. Sorry. Yeah. Jeff Wiggins. 
Jeff Wiggins. Whenever Jeff Wiggins goes to the zoo, uh, the big cats will roar whenever he walks by. So he always gets the best response from the big cats <laughs> at the zoo. The, the response, the thing everyone wants to see, he always gets it. Duh. Just from the cats? I thought about expanding it out to the other animals at the zoo. Maybe. I mean, I think the big cat's roaring is going to elicit a response from the other animals. You could you could have some uh, some breakthrough in animal biology, though, because maybe he's walking through and all of a sudden, like, a different type of animal makes a noise at him and they realize that there was an unknown link to them in felines that they had never suspected before. Uh, the feline family tree is pretty well sorted. You were, you're supposed to go with it. That's what we were supposed but... to do there. This is, a, this, is a, this is an improv game. It's always yes-and. That was yes a and, test, right? and you failed. <laughs> well, Connor yes-knowed me, or knowed me the first time I gave a patron power, so this is a turnaround, turnabout's fair play. But, the, well, the thing about Big Cats that's interesting is that Roar does have a recharge time, but he can, his power circumvents the recharge, oh. which is interesting. And, you know, like, I'll go to the zoo, and I'll see the Big Cats huffing, and, you know, they do this, like, <sighs> thing where they're, like, building up to the next Roar, and I'll, I'll wait for, you know, I'll Hold wait on. for a half hour. I don't want to get too in the weeds on this, but you're telling me that uh, lions have a refractory roar period? They do. <laughs> all right. Um, oh, all right. Not for Jeff. No, no. Are they are they reacting to him in some way? Are they like like is it? Do they feel defensive around them? They're like, oh, that's my dog. Although not. No, dog. no. They just they just feel the feeling of like, oh, it's time to roar now. Like they don't they don't okay. connect it to Jeff at all. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Cat's not a great sense of cause and effect. Uh, Jose Aloa or Ayoa, I don't, I don't know. There's two L's. I'm going to go with either of those. Knows exactly how much laundry detergent to use. Ooh. Because I can tell you that every single time I've had to do laundry my entire life, I have felt insecure about how much, about the amount that I've chosen to use. I've, I've heard experts say all sorts of things and I, I don't know what's right. And I was it, know. Was it last week when your, when your power was related to dishwashing? Uh, was it? I'm, I know that I haven't done laundry. <laughs> I feel like I always want to use more than they say I should use, but how does more soap not make it more clean? No, but see, here's like, I've heard that like everybody, like the, obviously they want you to use like the full amount, but you don't need to, we use too much. And what happens is like, it ends up coating our clothing, like with, with stuff. And then like the natural breathability gets yeah, is suspect. That's why I don't use fa- uh, fabric softener. But Jose knows exactly, just inherently, he's like, oh, no, don't, that's way too much. You're filling it up. Oh, for that kind of soil, you're going to need this. So does he just hang out at laundromats and help people? I mean, he like, could. I mean, that would be, but but the thing is, no one would listen to him. Ooh, ooh, that's, so he's like um, the the woman in Greek myth who can see the future, Cassandra. Right. Sort and of, but only as it relates to the <laughs> laundry detergent volume per I feel like you've just load. given him a complex. He's going to end up in a in a home or something. These are not these are not always gifts. Rory Armstrong. Rory can bring his action figures to life. <laughs> so this like is a really vaguely related to the little Tezzy, Teddy Roosevelt, which I sorry I said Teddy Theodore Roosevelt and the little Palpatine. <laughs> Still, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they only they only are alive for for thirty minutes. Um, they but, die. Uh, no, they just, they go back to being action okay. figures, and then he can he can bring them back the next day. But uh, he that's, can he can bring all his action figures to life. That's kind of horrifying for the action figures. Yeah, it's like some like in the cupboard. There's some god being that can bring you to life momentarily, and then you know your sentience is is doomed to to die, only to be brought back again for. This being's amusement. If you want to, well, as we that said, these aren't always gifts. Sometimes these are curses. But uh, what do they like do? Kind of, does he does he put them to work? Do they does he give them therapy? Does he do they do they? He can just hang out with them if he wants to chat. Uh, do know, they but, have the personality of the character that they're portraying? Yes. yes. Okay. Reach for the sky. So like personality and knowledge and uh, and, and all the experiences. Power? So, like, if you have like a Saruman action figure, does that turn out to be a bad move? Yeah, it could be. It could be problematic for everyone. Or Palpatine, he, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, his little Palpatine. He, he can go hang out with a little Palpatine guy, and uh, he's gonna get shocked. Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> but it's it's like a little baby shock because they're little they're little action mm-hmm. figures. It's not like it's a real person. Well, he had the he could he could his force could you know he could bring the house down or something. 
Sure. I feel like it'd be really useful as just basic self-defense. Like if you're getting mugged and you threw a little live Palpatine action figure at the mugger. Right. Then run away. I feel like you um, need somebody who is like, you need a little Superman. It, I think you just need anyone who's going to just cause chaos. But Palpatine's not going to do it for you. It has to, they have to have a moral grounding. He can go hang out with Lewis Williams, who has the little Palpatine action figure that comes to life. <laughs> <laughs> Which still remains one of the best powers we've given out. <laughs> Mostly because of the frenemy relationship disclaimer yep. and modifier. And that Lewis is always trying to be turned to the dark side. I wonder if Lewis is turned to the dark side by now, because it's been, it's been almost a year. Well, de- I mean, it depends on how much he listened. True. All right. So there you go. Thank you to the patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. Give it the $5 or higher level. You can get your own superpower. We are, I think, around the June 2017 patrons. So we're, we're making our way through the That's list. not bad. I was noticing how many of these we've done. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I remember briefly that we did this uh, on the Goodfellas Minute with the mob names. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. It's a good idea, yeah. but also very difficult. Go to patreon.com slash iFanboy. Like we said, uh, our next stretch goal uh, is the non-comics media podcast. We're here. We're just we're just waiting. We're waiting for it. That's that's what we do. We've, we've lived up to all of our stretch goals eventually um, in the past, and we'll be doing the yeah. same thing. Um, you can go to our t-shirt store, iFanboy.threadless.com. You can find one of six designs, um, the newer ones, of course. The ratings shirt. Ratings. 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 And uh, if one is Electro and our, our brand new design, the GDAT. Have we explained that yet? Yeah, we did. But I wore my rating shirt to work the other day. It's very nice. It's a very ratings. comfortable, nice shirt. Ratings. And when you did, did the Stormtroopers hit the floor? There were none. I didn't count any. But if Unrelated. they had, I'm sure. Yeah, if I had. Oh, it's I'm related. Not. No. No. Just, nope. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. Uh, you, of course, can also go over to uh, ifanboy.com slash support, and you can uh, use direct donation via PayPal if if the Patreon system isn't working out for you. But any of those things, of course, obviously are very generous, and we appreciate it. And, and we thank the folks who have done so uh, for making this a little better for us. Let's do one quick email. I agree one with you. One. Mark. I didn't get any in the script. They're in the script. Mark. I've been thinking about this question since I started running out of space about four years ago. I've also been going to my local comic shop for over 16 years on a weekly basis. I want to make the jump to digital for space reasons like everyone else and just donate most of my physical books, but it comes down to my to money concerns for me. At my local comic book shop, I get a 20% discount on my books, and that helps a lot when going there once a week. Do you think digital would ever do the same, offer a discount on subscriptions either through Comixology or the dedicated Marvel or DC apps? That's really the only thing holding me back. And it's a, I mean, it is a money 20% thing. Twenty percent off is a good reason to to not switch. Um, yeah. But uh, we've discussed this before, um, way back in the Wild West nascent days of digital comics, which was 2010. Back when we were doing graphically, 2011. Yeah, started in 10. Uh, one of the major companies wanted to discount their books digitally, and some of the major stores called them and said, "We will stop ordering your physical books if you do that." So they didn't, and it's not happened in the seven years since, and I don't see it ever happening as long as the stores hold all the power. Well, in their I, think, I think your best bet would, if you, you know, if you need the weekly fix, that's one thing. But there are things like Marvel yes. Unlimited where, yes. you know, it's Netflix style. You pay a subscription, you get the book six months after they come out. I know Jimsky uses that yes. and uh, swears by it, you know, so you're a bit behind on what's happening in the moment but you're saving a lot of money because you essentially get all these books for free six months after they come out. Not for free. Correct. You pay the subscription. That's only the Marvel. But yes, that's a, if you're a big Marvel person, that's a, that is one option is to read them six months later at a, at a heavy discount for the Marvel limited for sure. Plus a huge back catalog of books yeah. too. It's not just the books that came out six months ago. It's a lot of, of Marvel books. I'm yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how long that, uh, force is able to be exerted i mean that might be one of those By things the stores like, yeah i mean you i mean you're like the story now is we're seeing stores close all over the place sure but as long as they're the primary customer mm-hmm. of, the, of the publisher they're gonna they are in charge and, I, mean, I mean it's, it's ironic because a lot of ways they're not in charge but in that in, in this one specific way they can say we will screw you i mean because the fact of the matter is as far as we can tell and, and know from talking to people the, the digital sales plateaued so 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. I've always maintained, and I still believe this, that the, those two markets are not in competition. Apparently, according to Mark's email, they are, but, you know. If 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 the sales had spikes, um, if, if digital sales were higher and they were more of a market force, then they could they could maybe discount, they could maybe dictate terms more, but the stores still sell the majority of comics yeah. being read. So they get, they get, they get to say, you can do that, but we're going to not order your books anymore. And then they'll be, that, that publisher screwed. That, I still, I, I still feel like that's shitty. I, and I get why they do of it. it. I know the, the margins are thin and, and like they have to, but it's, it's really interesting. But at the same time, it, it is a way that like, you know, I, I can't think if record stores had had the ability to do that, like what would have happened? Right, it's interesting, but there's but there's all sorts of reasons why that's going on. And, well, and because day, the, the, I, CD, the CD sales did, didn't stop; they, t- right. they overtook. I mean, the digital sales overtook the physical media yeah. sales, whereas whereas this didn't happen with comics. Right, because there's a collector mentality, and you can't get a digital enamel pin. Right. <laughs> I feel like isn't there um, much like the Amazon affiliate account? Isn't there a way that comic shops can do that with Comicsology? I want to not say anymore. They just closed it. Oh, they did. Yeah, they just ended that program. Oh man, because that would have been a nice solution for it was. Well, it was. They used it for seven years. Yeah, and I think Amazon was like, "Why are we doing this?" Hmm. That's my guess. I mean, it's interesting the way that comic shops have shifted, even since I've been uh, going to them as an adult. Where it used to be, you know, you went in and there was a lot of single new issues, new release issues, and then a huge section of old comics. And then maybe a handful of, of graphic novels and trade paperbacks. You know, it's funny is that the huge selection of old comics was the mainstay when I was a kid. And I really yeah. loved it. But it's so much better now. Because those are almost completely gone. I yeah. Because like. we used to, we used to, it's the same thing. Like we used to not be able to read stuff that had happened in the past. And it's so much easier to do that now. And, and that's for a reader and therefore for the storytellers, it's such a better system. But you're not going to get those dusty old, you know. Back issues don't matter in the same way. Yeah, back issues aren't really a thing. But I also feel like comic shops now, um, with the board game renaissance, mm-hmm. like there's sort of uh, ancillary revenue or or, or yeah. side hustles you can have as Good a comic shop. Good shops have had to diversify. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing as the cards in the 90s. I mean, there's a, there's a you know, you have to sell something that's not comics. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't know if you saw the update, Josh, but they actually are not getting rid of that retail. Oh, really? Program. Oh, that's yeah. great. I'm glad to hear that. There was a mis- miscorrect email sent out to stores. No shit. That's been happening a that, lot with the bad information going out to people. But this one wasn't about nuclear war. That uh, The point is that tool has been around for since 2011. So it's not, it's not really – I mean, smart retailers use it to make them extra money. But at the same time, it's not really changing the dynamic at all. There's still an adversarial relationship between a lot of stores and digital. So, uh, Mark, that's his name, right? Mark? Yep. If you're getting 20% off, you know, the only, you're not going to get that from digital. The only way you can get that is through Marvel Unlimited for only Marvel books. So, and you have to wait six months. So, if, 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 if that's the primary concern, you're going to have to stick with paper. You can still donate your books for space reasons and just not keep them. So, you know, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. Back when I was still re- reading. Single issues physically, I wouldn't keep them. I read them and then would do the show and then I gave them away. You don't have to keep them. If I you're going to donate I, them anyway for digital, then you might as well donate them. Donate them. Donate them. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Let's wrap this boy up. Contact at ifanboy.com is how you can get on the show with your question. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for other people who wrote in who didn't get on the show. Um, let's plug things, Josh. Let us go for that. Um, like I said, uh, I'm about, uh, we're about even as of right now on the Talksplodes. Uh, I delivered Scotty Young to the people, uh, to the joy of, of, of many people, including myself. I really enjoyed that talk I did with Scotty. You can go find that now, whether you're a patron or not. Um, I have the next guest booked and ready, and it will coincide with an announcement uh, that is going to come out about that guest's book. And you will find out when that happens. Uh, it's another artist who has turned writer, though. So that will be out uh, this month also, and then um, we'll be set for a Booksplode next month. And uh, we, Ryan and I and Paul just did a show on Batman, Gotham by Gaslights, right behind this show in the feed. We did the animated Brain Trust show, one of, one of the better animated films I've done in a while, based yep. on the Mike Mignola, Brian Augustine, first Elseworlds story. I, um, I, bought, I remember buying that Prestige Edition. Yeah, it's a great, great story. Prestige Edition. 
Find that right behind this on the feed. And also upcoming, you've got the next February patron hangout, which is happening February 12th. Uh, 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. You can find that. Josh and I will be talking about nonsense for an hour. And then uh, Black Panther comes out that week. So there'll be a show at some point that weekend covering Black Panther. Apparently is... Black Panther's the greatest film ever made, as I understand it. So no overselling going on there. So we could just go. No chance of a letdown. Nope, none at all, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, to be honest, I'm afraid to not like it. Because... You're allowed to. I know. Like. Well, Ryan, what do you got going on Science Sort of? I do a podcast called Science Sort of, sciencesortof.com. We uh, drink beer, talk about science. It's, it's good How times. often are you talking about manatees? Uh, not as often as I'd like because, you know, Connor, let me tell you about manatees. There's no. some really interesting. Uh, their vertebral column, yeah, very no. different than other kinds of mammals. All right. Cut it, Mike. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Nope, that's it. Uh, ScienceSorter.com, RyanHop.com. If you go to RyanHop.com, you can see a photo of me on a day I hung out with Connor. Really? Well, that's my wedding. Oh, okay. You were there. I was there. I just Maybe you had a photo of you and I hanging out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought he said no pictures. (laughs) It's like the Godfather, I thought. Yeah, I ripped the fulfillment of that camera and threw it down. Actually, that's why no one invites Connor to weddings anymore, because he will just instinctively (laughs) walk up to photographers. And smash their cameras because he thinks he's Sonny Corleone. It's it's a problem. And I throw money at their feet. <laughs> God, I would love to see that. And not just once. Like, I would love it to be a thing. Uh, it's not like I don't have uh, sympathy for photographers at weddings either. So you know, it's just it's very funny. <laughs> Head over to ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find that uh, Gotham Gaslight podcast. You can find that Scotty Young podcast and the other 75 Toxplodes and, that preceded and the hundreds of other special edition podcasts that we've been doing for the years. Uh, you can find out the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking us on facebook.com slash ifanboy and, of course, following at ifanboy on Twitter. And you can follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and that helped on Twitter, but are helped on Instagram. Is that correct? Ryan helped on Instagram. That's better. It's clearer. It's nice. I would never uh, do that to Lindsay Josh because she would punch me. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I know that much. If you like to share a writer review on iTunes or even just leave a star rating, uh, it takes a second. Just click on a star rating. Do that for iFanboys, for Science Sort of, for any podcast you listen to. It helps people find the show. It helps them know if you like it. Um, we really do appreciate that. Even better than that is to tell your friends about podcasts. Again, as I said last week, if you're a store owner, why not put the show on loop starting Sunday and then have it going on a loop until the following Sunday? I think you and your employees and your patrons will appreciate it. You should stay in the store that whole time, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with Help that. Help spread the iFanboy love all around the world. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I'm Ryan, your paleontology friend. <laughs> <laughs>